This is your host Shane with Radical Rocks. Today we're going to talk about Sugalite, which is a beautiful purple gemstone. We're going to talk about this in depth. We're going to talk about uh, what the quality is, what to look for, how to tell um, real from fake, high quality, how much it's uh, valued at, um, how to cut it, how to polish it, how to treat it, and, and much more all about sugar light. We're also going to go into some assorted lapidary tips for um, tumbling, for uh, using glues, and taking care of some original ideas and things like that. So we'll go into some lapidary tips. We've also got some great dinosaur fossil news. One's really bizarre about a dinosaur's rumpy hole. The first uh, dinosaur here where they've actually found the rumpy hole. Pretty bizarre but interesting subject matter. Before we get into that guys I want to thank you for supporting the channel. Radical Rocks is all about educating, building community, and on all things rocks, gems, minerals, and lapidary. You can check us out on our social media. We're on Parlor. Just go to hashtag Radical Rocks. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us um, on MeWe. We have a lot of our links are at the bottom of all of our blogs. I will put that in the description. It's RadicalRocksUSA.blogspot.com. Also, at the very end, I will put a link to our PayPal um, donation site should you decide to donate. But don't forget, not only do we have the blogs and the audio um, podcast, we have videos of trips, interviews, um, some stores that are reviewed, all of these things, all of these medias are different. Um, none of them are really rep, you know, repeating one another um, a little bit sometimes. But for the most part, the blogs are one one thing, the podcasts are another, um, and the videos are completely different. So all of these different um, education and information that you have accessible to you is a vast amount. We have well over 70 audio um, podcast at this time and uh, well over a dozen videos and trips and I think about 24 blogs and a huge community on Facebook. Um, we're building on Parlor and MeWe as well. So check those things out, guys. We appreciate your support, your likes, your shares. That's what helps us. So let's get right into it. Um, first thing I would like to get into is this uh, I have very little bit of dinosaur news I want to get into first this one is pretty interesting um, <laughs> this dragon snakehead this fish was just discovered in India um, the write-up was just on the 21st of October in National Geographics.co.uk usually I can't get into National Geographics um, Articles they want you to subscribe, but um, they let me into this one, and there is a beautiful picture of this huge long fish. That uh, if you've ever seen an arowana in a pet shop, this thing's like twice as long as an arowana. It looks like an eel um, as far as its body, and its face looks like a dragon. Why is this in fossil news? Because this species is new found, newly found, and related to these primitive fossil fish and is considered a real living fossil. <coughs> These things are found deep down in the ground in caves in uh, underground water in India. 
Now, if you remember, there was a fish that uh, caused, has caused some havoc, the snakehead, that uh, got here to America, and the thing gets in the lake, and it just eats everything in the whole lake, destroys it. Um, this, these fish are um, really dangerous over here where they don't have um, predators that can you know, deal with them. This fish, I don't know if that's like that or not, but they had a flood and some of these came out and of uh, some holes in the ground and they discovered them. So it's pretty exciting um, that they can find this type of fish that lives deep down in these aquifers. Um, that uh, has This particular one has not been seen before. So there it is, if you want to check that out. I thought that was pretty cool. A living fossil. Um, another article, we're not going to get into it much, but I wanted to share it with you. There's a 10-million-year-old megalodon nursery found in South Carolina. So they found this really big discovery where all these megalodon sharks had been there and all these little babies were there. So they found uh, you know, the bones and the teeth and such like that that uh, they knew this was a little nursery where they were taking care of their babies at one time in South Carolina. You can find that article on technologytimes.pk and uh, it's written by Tayaba Awan on October the 21st. Now, um, another quick uh, plug is MP starts to develop its second national fossil park. This is in uh, www.hindus Hindu hinduismtimes.com and uh, the article was written on the 21st by Surutu Tomar in uh, the Hindustan Times and this is another place um, that's pretty close to India I'm probably pronouncing it wrong um, Madhade Pradesh they are making this second national forest uh, in their area there for fossils where there's fossilized palm um, fruit and other things very interesting um, you can read more about this article if you want but it's always nice to see um, you know somebody taking an interest in their fossils and and uh, it's always nice to see them you know make some of them make it to market too but it is nice that they're able to um, study these and and uh, preserve that area to for for studying okay now this is the article i told you about we finally know what a dinosaur this is what the article says we finally know what a dinosaur's butthole looks like <laughs> okay by riley black it was written on the 21st it's at https semicolon backslash backslash slate.com and uh, i'm gonna say rumpy but um what they found here uh is something that some you know there's things that that they just don't can't tell from these bones you just can't tell they don't know what the rear looked like, but in this case, they found out that it is going to likely resemble a crocodile. Now, as so many great discoveries have been found in China, you know, we found dinosaurs with feathers. We found dinosaur bones, you know, feather imprints in the rocks. So now that we know that these dinosaurs, a lot of them had feathers, we're finding that uh, some of these dinosaur bones have blood in them, like liquid blood. So um, I think that maybe calls into question how old they are or how they were really preserved. But this subject says that uh, this one particular dinosaur, um, the Pistacosaurus, which was looking kind of like a, uh, a a parrot, kind of like a looked like a parrot type 
jaw, and they sits about the size of a Labrador retriever, retriever but it wa would walk on two legs, had these parrot-like cheeks, and it had a flared horn that jutted out from its tail that had a spray of feather-like bristles that went out, and now they know that these things had uh, rear ends like crocodiles because, well, they found this discovery, sometimes fossils, and in this case, they're preserved like mummies. Okay, and there's actually soft bits of remnants of the animal that are there. Some of this is actually the original flesh of the dinosaur. So sometimes this happens when a dinosaur is buried quickly in ash. Sometimes they dry out a little while, you know, become kind of leathery. Um, and other reasons um, that, you know, these experts are finding out that they can see the print of the skin, the feather, or even get some of the skin in it, and sometimes even know the color that the dinosaurs were. In this case, they can see that these dinosaurs were brown on top and lighter along the body, uh, the belly. So this fossil that they found is one of the more detailed ones. It has patches of skin, scales, as well as ornamental bristles on the tail, and uh, and there's a patch of tissues between the hips and at the base of the tail the rear end, right? The booty hole. <laughs> so they have an actual uh, skin and imprint of this dino booty hole. So uh, if you want to find out more about that, there's supposed to be a picture here of it. Um, I did actually click on the link, dinosaur porn, warning. Um, but <laughs> it didn't, it didn't, uh, it didn't come up when I, when I hit it for some reason. So I don't know, maybe it's been uh, flagged by uh, one of the, the social media book burners. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, let's get into one of our other um, articles. I've got some assorted lapidary tips. I'm going to go in those and then finally we'll go into the Sugalite uh, rock, beautiful purple gemstone. Let's talk about some of these lapidary tips. Um, I've got lapidary tips on the blog and we have uh, gone over them on some of the older podcasts uh, quite a ways back, maybe six months, maybe maybe longer. But here's a few suggestions while uh, working in your lapidary shop that you can add to that list. There's a glue called E6000. This glue, um, now remember, ev do everything at your own risk. Use all the safety precautions that the manufacturer requires. Um, you know, this this isn't uh, advice. This is just information I'm passing on to you. So take it with a grain of salt and do your own research. But I just don't want to be held liable for anything stupid you might do. Um, or someone out there will do. You know how it is. There's always someone out there that will... Uh, like turn on the saw and have a long get their long hair or their coat stuck in there and get sucked up and cut up into pieces and the family will go well he just watched a video and he just listened to a podcast so he died because of that no take responsibility for yourself be safe take this for what it is it's just information okay it's not advice so this glue is great for repairing many surfaces um, it's been used for wood metal glass fiberglass creamix masonry concrete leather rubber vinyl plastic and um, a man named uh, uh, Lynn uh, said that he had a tumbler belt that split and he glued it back together again with this glue. Now, I don't know that that's a great idea, but, you know, I guess if you were in a real pinch and you wanted to get through a project, uh, maybe. I don't know. I can't say that I would uh, recommend that. But he also repaired elk hide um, polishing pad that got torn with it. Um, 
So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Now, here's another idea. I think it's one we've hit on before, but uh, it it's not Easter time now. But if you want to use some large tumbled stones, they can be good for Easter egg hunts. So that's a great idea for kids, I think. Another idea that this is one I don't think I've ever heard before, but making gemstone buttons. Um, it's fun and it's unique. First of all, you just want to uh, cut up the slabs, and I guess you would cut them up, you know, fairly thin, and um, drill holes, two holes, and then, um, you know, cut them up into little squares, I guess, because that's how your trim trim saw is going to be more or less a, a square, and then you can finish the grinding and polishing off by hand uh, with a machine, uh, and maybe do some detailing with a Dremel if you want as well. Okay. Um, if you have a hard time holding it because it's too small, you can always dop one side with the dopping wax uh, or epoxy, as it's known, and then undo it and do the other side. Okay. Um, here's some tumbler uh, stuff. If you have a tumbler with a rubber barrel that needs to be relined or any other rubber-coated island, um, there's someone here. I don't know if they still have it, but it says send an email to sales at industrialscreen.com. And uh, they're located in Casper, Wyoming, and I'm guessing that they're going to be able to um, redo that for you and can possibly give you a price. Now, I haven't checked into this, so uh, let me know if that works. Now, another thing. When you're getting started in the rough grit stage um, for tumbling, check to see that no edges on a chip or slab uh, tapers off. Uh, to almost nothing. If you want, you can use a tile nipper. Be sure to have your safety glasses and all that, and don't be breathing in, you know, if you're chipping something into your mouth, and just be careful, right? Use all the safety precautions to chip off the thin edges, because a stone is not going to tumble um, if it has this uh, edge off the side. You know, sometimes when you cut things, um, and, and they break off, and you have that little edge on it, so um, that very thin edge will always stay the same and continue to break in the tumbler. So you want to get rid of those real thin edges. Another thing, when tumbling in a barrel tumbler, uh, a mix of rough chips and broken slabs or flats can be tumbled successfully together. Excuse me just a minute here. Got to have some coffee. <coughs> they can be um, successfully polished together or tumbled together, but the final polish time... Um, for uh, agates and uh, jaspers um, can take four to five days longer if they're slabs, okay? And if, and, but the polish will be great. And the rounded stones can be ready in about two weeks of polish, polishing, but the flats need more time. Now, a schedule to follow for rotary or barrel tumbling for beautiful polished agates and jaspers is about six weeks for the coarse grit stage using a 60-90 mix of grit and two weeks for the medium grit, which can be a mix of 150 to 220, and then two weeks for the fine grit, which can be uh, 500 um, grit, and then the polish at two weeks plus an extra five days if flats are included with the small stones. Now you're going to notice while you're tumbling that the stones in the tumbler are filling less and less space due to the grinding process and the ground rock and grit and water slurry is covering the stones more and more. Each week when adding more coarse grit, because the grit breaks down more quickly, the coarse grit does, first drain extra liquid, the grit, the water slurry back down to a level of one to two inches um, below the stones, then add the fresh coarse grit, one 
tablespoon per pound of estimated weight of rock remaining in the tumbler. Too much water is going to slow down the grinding process. Recently, on the start of the third week of coarse grit tumbling, small dogtooth amethyst crystals were added into the tumbler to take advantage of the extra space in the tumbler. And you can continue the process for four more weeks at coarse grit, etc. Another addition was a broken pitcher jasper slabs. Remember, the tumbler barrel should always be at least three-quarters full of stone and media. The amethyst and pitcher jasper did not need as much tumbling time in the coarse grit for nice smoothing. When the tumbling process had been completed, the added stones turned out quite nice. Remember, the tumbler should be three-quarters full to achieve maximum grinding action and of course you want to tumble as many stones as possible in the least amount of time and the best way to tumble with the fastest completion time is to have all the stones of the same hardness or the same type of gemstones but keep the tumbler full or maximum capacity for tumbling requires you to have extra similar material for each grinding sequence for the coarse and medium to add the water to the tumbler when processing a little materials removed in the fine grit stage and no additional stones are needed. If you have no additional stones to add in the coarse or medium tumbling stage, remember creamy media is a nice filler option to use instead and they can be reused. So hopefully those are some good tips for you on the tumblers. Now let's get into the keynote address on Sugalite. Now um, you can go to Wikipedia and they will tell you about Sugalite there. Um, they have some nice pictures of it. They'll tell you a little bit about the history. Um, they'll tell you about the hardness, the crystal formation. Um, of course, it is usually desired to be purple. I know when I first saw it, um, it was uh, it kind of flaky. It was kind of flaky. And I, I was told that it came out of um, Russia. But I'm hearing that it mostly comes out of, um, of South Africa. Um, and also Australia and a few other areas. So I'm not sure that mine really came from Russia. It could be a memory lapse. I'm not sure. But the hardness on this is, uh, if the, for the really good stuff, is about six to six and a half on the hardness scale. And I can tell you, I am pretty positive the stuff I worked with, which was considered really nice um, sugar light. Um, but I think a lot of it is. Uh, does have some other minerals in it. We're going to talk about that, um, the the stuff that they're talking to. In fact, here it says it has a hardness um, of 5.5 to 6.5. So it really depends on the contents of what's in the sugalite, and we'll talk about that in some degree. Now, if you go to um, geology.com and you look up sugalite, uh, you're going to see a nice article there by Hobart M. Key. King, who is a PhD, and he talks about um, what sugalite is, and the information is pretty much the same as what's on Wikipedia, but he goes into some more details, which is kind of nice. Now, real good sugalite is rare, and pretty much now, anything that's real nice and purple is rare, and the high-quality stuff is very sought off by mineral collectors, and we're going to talk about the values and some of those things uh, toward the end. Now, sugalite is a sodium potassium lithite silicon material with small amounts of magnesium that produces the pink to purple color in these specimens of sugalite. You know, we talked about going to the Ocean View mine and how um, the um, 
the lepidite is purple because of the lithium. And we talked about, um, I think it's kyanite, or not, is it kyanite? Uh, shoot, kunzite. Kunzite. If kunzite doesn't have any color, it's they call it a different name, but it's kunzite when it has the purple, which is again is the lithium. So the lithium is what's in it that makes that really great purple color. Um, it can also have, uh, um, it can have iron, magnesium, aluminum, other minerals that can make the color vary a little bit. Now, the quality of the gemology of, of sugar light, it was discovered in 1944 and didn't really hit the jewelry market until about 1979. Um, there was a mine found in South Africa called the Weasel Mine, Weasel's Mine, and that's where a lot of it has come from. And there's some pretty good quality stuff too. So when you see it, uh, you will see cabochons, beads, um, sculptures, uh, and different items made from the sugar light. Um, it can be used for pennants, earrings, brooches, but on um, rings and bracelets, you really got to be careful because it will scratch and it can get damaged. So it is kind of a fragile gemstone. So you really need to appreciate it and treat it with love. Now, interestingly, um, people are starting to use sugar light a lot with turquoise and the sterling silver, the Native American type jewelry. Um, that look is becoming quite popular, and I can attest to this. I've been in a few of the um, silver um, turquoise type shops that specialize in Native American gemstones, and you will see beautiful purple sugar light mixed with turquoise and uh, red uh, you know coral or something that looks like a red coral in different designs and patterns and um, it's quite beautiful now this sugar light is getting very expensive um, and also is the dust is mixed with resin and made into blocks like we sometimes see with turquoise um, lapis and other minerals that are getting rarer and rarer so you'll want to make sure when you're buying it that you don't get imitation um, unless you want imitation imitation is stable uh, it cuts well um, it's pretty it takes a polish and it's a lot cheaper so um, if that's what you want you're trying to um, offer that that type of gemstone at a lower price um, it, it is still sugar light but it is um, you know hardened and and uh, sometimes even colored colors are added and um, sometimes even synthetic so you need to identify what you have and what you're using um, some people have even dyed marble or quartzite or serpentine purple and called it uh, imitation sugar light or unfortunately tried to sell it as sugar light so make sure you know you're buying from a reputable person um, sugar light occurs only in a few locations in the world the gym quality sugar light uh, really uh, only a uh, is found in uh, stratiform magnesium deposits in South Africa at this time, uh, primarily in with igneous rocks as a secondary mineral in the marble. There's also um, that magnesium deposits similar to South Africa exist in India, Brazil, Ghana, and Russia. So there we go, finally Russia. I missed that the first time I looked through this, so maybe mine really did come from Russia. Um, now mine is not... Um, like a translucent, some of the really high high quality mineral is a as a as a little bit opaque and uh, not translucent, but maybe slightly translucent, and that is you know the bomb stuff that you really really want. You know, 
Back for a little more history, in 1944, when this was discovered, this was a Japanese uh, scientist, Kinichiya Suga, Sugai, S-U-G-I. And the G, it's not a soft G, it's a hard G, like in goose. So it's Shugi, Shugi, Shugai, Light, Sugar Light. You got to really pronounce that G, okay? I'm tripping over my tongue. But remember that G is a powerful G. It's not a soft G, okay? Um, natural sugar light, again, uh, naturally occurring material or mineral that uh, is, is beautiful, sells for high prices. Um, we'll talk more about that. Natural mixture of sugar light with other minerals. This is when it has different minerals and patterns um, due to these other minerals that are in there. We'll talk about that a little bit. Um, Man-made, of course, can be crushed or made from the powder. So if you're going to cut a lot of this stuff, it might be worth saving the dust. Okay. Um, some other gym quality specimens are pink, reddish, purple to just pure purple. Impure specimens often have yellow, brown, purplish brown, or grayish purple, or black, and that's going to be a lot cheaper. The streak, if you do a streak test, it's white. Um, it can be dull, waxy, or vitreous. Um, if it's really great, it can be, you know, somewhat translucent or opaque. Um, the cleavage is poor. I tell you, if you get the stuff like I had from Russia, it's beautiful purple, but it has kind of this grayish uh, hue to it. But it's mostly all purple, and it's kind of it kind of wants to crumble on smaller pieces. I made a heart out of it, and it was extremely difficult. Um, I had to cut like three pieces fell apart before I found a piece that was solid enough to to stay together. And I haven't had any problem uh, making cabochons out of it of a decent size, but. Uh, I don't have a lot of the material because it is extremely expensive. Um, let's see, let's see. So some of the other things you can see on it are the um, cleavage again. And um, let's see what else we got here. Oh, I wanted to talk. I found this. I tried to find information on polishing it because I didn't have any problem polishing it. It just has a nice color to it. But then again, I didn't have that really high, high quality stuff that is somewhat opaque. Um, to slightly translucent. And I found an article at uh, lopacki.com under, um, uh, I looked up polishing sugar light and it popped up. And I had read this article before from this uh, gentleman. I think his name is Daniel Lopakian. That's his company. And he made a little grinder and used a block of wood um, and made it round to make a polisher. Um, he uses a softer wood over a hard wood. He used a small one-fifth horsepower 3000 RPM motor um, and he impregnates it with the polish. And uh, he used pine. He drilled the arbor size and I, you know, very, very careful because that wood could fly apart and really hurt you. So, you know, it is a little dangerous um, to just spin wood like that on a wheel. So I'm not recommending this. I'm just sharing what he did. He said uh, wood is his wood of choice, and um, he works with cabs, uh, beads. He uses 600 mesh wet sand, and then he goes uh, three steps, 1,200, 14,000, and 50,000 mesh diamond powder sprayed with light oil. Um, I don't know that I would want oil on it, on my thing, so I don't know that this is what I would take, but he 
he mentioned that he bought his first sugar light at the Tucson Gemstone uh, Gem Show, and the person told him good luck polishing it. So this was what he found that worked for him. So um, I've read that other people have had a success polishing another way, and we'll talk about that. Um, there is another article if you want to check out jewelryshoppingguide.com. Um, just look up Sugar Light, and there is some information and some beautiful pictures of some finished jewelry there. And they recommend just cleaning it um, with a uh, mild soap and water. Um, but there are some pretty pictures there of it if you want. Now, Sugar Light can go for $200 for just a little chunk of it, okay? Like a piece you would hold in your hand, like. You know, not even the size of your fist. Easily, just for a piece of natural sugar light. It doesn't even have to be the super, super high quality, but it will be purple. Um, you got to watch out. Sometimes people use oil to hide the cracks. This is done with emeralds and other stones as well. So make sure it hasn't been oiled. Um, if you want more valuable sugar light, you don't want any black veining. Uh, also, the block sugar light or the, you know, kind of reconstructed sometimes has these uh, black veinings that are put into it to make it look real, look more real. You're going to pay the highest prices for slightly translucent, um, actually faceting grades, such as the Royal Azel. So it's Royal A-Z-E-L, and this can go from 60 to to $1,000 a carat. So very pricey. Um, you can polish with a, a diamond compound, but some individuals have said, and I had success, just using a chrome oxide can work the best. And um, that is it for today, guys. We appreciate you listening to the show. Um, if you have any thoughts, uh, please join our social media and let us know what they are. If you have any ideas, if you have any experience, you want to be part of one of our shows, we're always open to that. And thank you, and remember, rock hounds don't die, they petrify. <laughs>